This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Rum, do you hear something? Yeah, what is that? It's a bird. No, it's a plane. No, it's not that. Ooh, it's the best of the buzz with Bill. Is that right, eh? It's a good sign of things to come. Commentary on trending headlines with veteran AMI producer Bill Shackleton. Well, now. Billy! I say Shack! Yep, I'm back. Greece Beaches brings a plethora of plethora of inspections. So essentially, this is kind of interesting. In Greece, um, if you are a private sunbather, you might have a very difficult time finding space on a beach. So basically, what's happened in Greece is that um, the first of all, be- uh, beaches in Greece are private, but the government allows entrepreneurs to set up bars and restaurants and these little pop-up stands to bring in tourism and that type of thing. But what's happening is the because of the demand, all this though you're only allowed a certain amount of space on each beach mm-hmm. to be used for this. Right. So basically right. what's happened is the entrepreneurs are taking over the whole beach. And I think they charge you 100 euros for a, cha- a chaise lounge chair. And it's like, if you're a bather, you, 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 can't, uh, you can't go because you have to pay, which is uh, kind of interesting. Yeah, and, you, and that no longer control of less people. So you have your own space, you know, to, to settle back in is so compromised by just people running around, not to mention the money spent, but just doing what it sounds like the, the Toronto parks and the alcohol. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> that's like they're yeah. just yeah. opening them right up, right? That's what it's just like, open those beaches up, make your dough. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. So the government is pledging more inspections or they're allegedly going to crack down, crack down on that. We'll see where this one goes. I wonder it's, what their kickback is, the government, for th- these these entrepreneurs doing this. I, I, the article didn't go into that. Um, yeah. Not sure. Oh, I'm sure. Not sure. Yeah, I, I, I would assume. And, oh, we'll crack down. We'll monitor it all, right? You know, hey, man, we can squeeze one more in here, and that money yeah, funnels that's, back yeah, to us. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's always a, a comparison, right? Because when you go to, let's say, an all-inclusive resort somewhere that isn't North America, um, things are not regulated at all. Like vendors, whoever, just people are just posted up on the beach and you're you know, constantly being sold something or asked to take part in some service being offered and it's just not the same experience at all. You know what else it reminds me of? When you go on a boat cruise, uh, oftentimes what will happen is people will put towels on all the chairs mm-hmm. and not sit there. So in other yeah, words, like holding spots. To, mm-hmm. Yeah, holding yep. spots. So yep. if I go to a pool, I can't sit down because your towel's on my and you're not there. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, but it keeps you having some space. Um, kind of curious. Uh, do you have a need, Bill, to go drink in a public park in Toronto? Oh, I heard about that. Um, I I find it interesting, and I'm glad it's going to. Apparently, it's going to be open in temporarily or a few parks. And um, they're trying it I, out. I didn't see the mm-hmm. article. What is I it, didn't see 26 it, parks yeah. or something like that throughout Yeah, something, something like 26, 27 parks, yeah. Um, yeah. It's one I, of those I, things I, that uh, – go ahead, Bill. No, I, I, I probably would if there was one near me. Yeah, I mean, why not? Why not? Uh, it, I, trying it out is one ahead, thing. Bill. Whether it's going to last past the pilot project is, another, is the other question, right? Because we do have people yeah. on all ends of the spectrum, people who are like, this is not safe, and public parks include – 
children. We had a really good children, discussion yeah. about it on the morning yeah. show earlier this week. I'm sure. But and litter. The litter. Litter I mean, is my biggest thing. It's like yeah. we already know people are not... We, we as a whole in the city are not where we should be with littering. Like we well, still... Yeah. We already so have damage issues and people yes. getting crazy silly and messing around with the playground equipment. But, the people do that now sober and, but, and, and yeah. let alone... And the other thing is, you know, as Dave said earlier this week, like people are already drinking at parks. There's no way yeah, they are. that oh, yeah. this is going to make, or it shouldn't at well, least, but the, the thing is, at least people drinking in parks now is illegal. So police have mandate to, mm -hmm. hey, man, you can't be, you're being ridiculous. Yeah. But if someone's being That's ridiculous and, you know, well, you're drunk. Well, but I'm allowed well, to be here drunk. What's the surveillance going to be like, right? Past oh, the pilot project, the, uh, what's the surveillance going to be? Do we have enough personnel to be posted up on parks to manage this kind of thing? Because it's the same thing as bars and clubs and restaurants yeah. and anything else without the bouncers at this mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. Man who visited every country um, without flying has finally returned home. Very interesting article. Yes. Um, so Thor Peterson went on an epic journey starting on October 10th, um, 2013. Um, returning home in May, he has visited 203 countries, um, traveled 230,000 miles, and he has done it without flying. So he has a number of goals. He he does not he does not he gets a uh, has a a twenty dollar a day budget. Um, that's equivalent to U.S. He spent a minimum of 24 hours in each country, and. He, his modes of transportation were bike, bus, train, boat, um, no flying. And it's like some of the things that he had to overcome, and this is quite a thing, um, um, uh, malaria, he had to overcome things like getting visas from different countries. He would spend, spend months in, in a country because he couldn't get a visa to Iran or Syria. And this all came about because his father sent him an email about the fact that he, um, this guy, no one has visited every country that UNESCO recognizes around the world without flying. So he decided, because he's an adventurer, he decided to do this. And, you know, when you think about all the, I mean, leaving your wife and family behind for 10 years, I mean, it's it's almost inconceivable to me, when I first read the article, number one, could you actually do this? And right, number right. two, would you leave your wife behind for 10 years? <laughs> it's just amazing. It's a, it's a tiny detail that is so significant in this entire adventure. Also, Billy, like, I, I mean, did you read about the, the uh, struggles, the challenges he was have, having trying to get into Guinea? Like, it was yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, I never well, even he, thought about these things. Like you're, you're just stuck, you know, and you stuck. need to get into all the countries if you're trying to make this project work and rely on strangers, rely on yeah, like rides right. and carpooling, like all kinds of old methodologies of travel that yeah, we would and, never, and, like and, I would and never would do now. And people would also wonder what you're doing, right? Because they figure you're going to fly in, you're going to have this. Sure, you have your passport, things like that together to a point. But well, where are you going? What is your purpose? Just to go. 
Yeah, yeah. And what are you going to do when you're here? Well, and the dangers this, of that kind of thing, that. right? Oh, no. oh yeah. just, like, just safety concerns alone. No, you're mm -hmm. talking. You're talking, and you're and talking trust, about. Like you said. You're talking about crossing borders that mm. were in conflict, and you're talking about vi the big thing was visas. Yeah. Uh, malaria. Yep. He suffered. Yes. A, uh, he he went through a storm, uh, fire or four, four or five day storm crossing from Iceland to Canada, and it's like all these things that I mean when when people found out what he was doing, they were more than happy to help him. I but mean, in the meanwhile, you, know, you wonder, and a lot of time, you're on your own, walking oh, yeah. or, or whatever, or waiting for the something storms so you can get that he on. faced, yeah, being that's on right. boats and yeah. and on the ocean trying to cross. Like this is unbelievable. Yeah. The time-consuming aspect alone would be oh, yeah, exhausting. Sure. Yep. Yep. And exhausting. the waiting, the sitting, and not in places where you could just. I'm tired. I don't feel like I really want to do much today. I gotta stretch out somewhere Oof. and lay down. No, no, no. Hold on. That's not. That's not the case. You can't lay down beside this highway. Mm -mm. You know, like that. He's talking really about awesome. failed attempts. Like, oh my god, I, I can't yeah. get over this article. Wow. Yeah, it, no, it's really, really tremendous. Cash incentives. Um, offered to Nova Scotia businesses that promote the Gaelic language. Yeah. So this is this is a basically a pilot project that is, I guess it started, and they are basically, they are concerned about the Gaelic language that is it's being, like, less and less people are speaking it. So it's sort of vanishing. Mm -hmm. We've talked about this the other, in a lot of shows about other languages. Um, so if you have a small and mid um, size business, they would like you to hire Gaelic-speaking employees, um, incorporate them into their advertising and marketing and everyday routines. Um, it's interesting that of the of the one million people that call Nova Scotia home, um, 2,032 are actually direct descendants from Scotland and Ireland. Um, when they came over in the 19, you know, well, in the 1700s. Now, where it's very interesting what they're doing in, in restaurants is they want to um, do menus in, in, um, in Gaelic and English and French so that if you and I, this is what we can get a discount. If we attempt to order our meals in Gaelic, they're going to give us hmm. a discount, which is kind of interesting. So I wonder if they would have beside it the English equivalent, uh, you know, in, in the menu, you'd have them or the English equivalent and beside it, how to try to say it in Gaelic. Just the, and again, I, obviously, the, you know, you're going to make a mess of it, but to promote and to kind of just be aware. I, I think that's the key, isn't it, Bill? We're not trying to. We're trying to get it, obviously, those who may have a heritage may even be able to speak it, obviously, to, to teach it, to learn it, to, to pique an interest in it, and, and maybe courses start happening where people want to take that, take Gaelic to learn it. But I think if you're seeing and aware and saying, what is this? Oh, it's, again, putting it in your mind. And, yeah, and, and it, it's going to be interesting for people to try it. I mean, people are going to go into a restaurant Hey, I can get a, a few bucks off if I try this. It's going to be interesting the way some of the words come out. I mean, I'd love to hear, um, to be there and, and listen to someone at the next table try to pronounce um, something like mashed potato or whatever whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it'd be, but 
it's a very serious problem they're having down there. Um, I believe there's only 2,000 people that speak it. And mm -hmm. it is being taught at 15 public schools and in some colleges, I believe. But it's, it's, it's I mean, kudos to the government to try to promote this. And before and it gets away going. from us. Yeah, that exactly. I think um, there's a lot of, like, fun implications, you know, markdowns for people who are trying to order in Gaelic and uh, a lot of the funds being allocated to throwing parties and yeah, you know, promoting right. the arts and the yeah. culture. Uh, yeah, and that part of it is definitely fun and encouraging and exciting, uh, but it really does come from a deeper understanding of what's going on, right, to the culture, to the language. And we've had these conversations before, even with you, Billy, like all the initiatives that people come up with to try to promote languages that are dying to try to bring communities closer together because um, people are so spread apart around the world now. And when we're saying, you know, Nova Scotia is the only place that's really far from um, Scotland and, and that surrounding area to to try to say, let's preserve it here is probably more complicated than anything. I, I would think so. And but to do this, it in parts of Europe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in it, it's, it's come out of a idea that I believe that in Ireland, they're trying to promote it the same way. So mm -hmm. they're trying to get, you know, get it, um, get it going and keep it, keep it alive. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I feel like people will definitely get excited about this because of how uh, engaging it is. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not, you know, it doesn't sound so serious. It's not about textbooks and courses. It's really about the the interactions and the social aspect of it. Yes. The only problem I have, uh, I see, is if you can get Gaelic-speaking employees, I mean, that is not going to be easy mm. um, to get you know, people that can speak it. But it's almost theatrical, right? Like, it's almost people would start developing the skill just to be able to perform. Yeah, they might. In they, some they, ways. Well, and I it, think for some people, it's the fact that it, it, you've got a lot of people there whose grandparents or great-grandparents spoke. So they may actually say, you know, I have forgot about that. Or, hey, I, I am kind of interested. Whereas before growing up, no, they wouldn't have. And especially if they never really heard it in the household if it was or they knew you know grandfather grandfather spoke it but let it go because nobody else would i think you get a lot of that bike ride across iowa because you teased it yes puts vibrant small towns into sharp focus so basically this is is there are fifty thousand riders riders that took place in this bike ride. They call it Rag Rye in the town of Colfax, Iowa. And the 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 town, like when you think of a small town, um a, a lot of small towns in the US and in this country as well, people are they're basically dead. And and people they want to leave. Like, what the heck? Why are we staying in this small town? There's nothing here. All I want to do is get out. But what the bike ride is doing, it's it it is basically is showing that these small towns, some of them can actually exist. And the bike ride represents togetherness. It represents um, resilience. And as the mayor said of, of this town, 
people, you know, we we want people to stay. Uh, and and that's what they're doing. And, and, and they're proving that these small towns can actually work and survive. So are these um, like it, tours, it, Billy, where people ride through on bikes or is it the townspeople? I think it's the townspeople mostly. Get out there and thrive together. Yeah. Go on, yeah. like, almost like those a group ride, I guess, in places, and get that chance to socialize. Yeah, socialize, and yeah, and it's like they don't. Some there, there are people that that you know mark the trails, and there are people that they they get a little bit of money, but it's not about that. It's it it's more to symbolize togetherness, um, I think, and to prove, as I say, that these towns aren't dead. Um, necessarily mm -hmm. did. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be tough because we all kind of chuckle at these small places and so many people oh, yeah. say, look, when I retire, I want to go live somewhere in a small yeah. place where people don't bother me, where I can... And, and you hate to think of their refuges for like, oh, I'm fed up with living with so many people around me or the big city. I'm going to go mm -hmm. to a small place where nobody knows my name or where people will just buzz off. Like, that's not what they're about. People live, they love work, and these towns exist and thrive as, as, as any the same as New York or anywhere else does. Um, it's so funny how we get that viewpoint, but it's interesting when you think, well, how do you tie the people together? They may live in that small town. Are they tied together? How does that feel for somebody visiting? You know, if it's quiet, you go, oh, gee, I guess they roll up the sidewalk. <laughs> you know, is that really what the town is? And it's kind of interesting when any place comes up with a different way to say, no, man, we're vibrant. There may only be 2,000 of us. We're vibrant. Yeah, that's the irony, right? Like, so nowadays, if you think about putting a place on the map, any kind of location, you're thinking, yeah. you know, are they are social media present? Can you find them on yes. the Internet? You know, who's doing what? Are they on TikTok? Like, that's the way that we compare or, or um, where we give... find out about them, right? Yeah, like, but you also do your like homework. Also, the existing, you know, for something to be in existence, we say, well, they got to be on the Internet. Like, they, got, they have to be present on social. We they need to be able to, to connect with them. Exactly. So, but oh, with the small handle. town um, vibe, you know, and, and reality and lifestyle is, that may not be the case. That may not be how people present themselves. So just because, you know, us city people and us all over the Internet people are not aware doesn't mean that these people don't exist. Obviously, that's not the only case. We're also talking about livelihood and work and, and people yeah. actually being able to bring themselves up in these small towns, too. And well, why? Like, they want people to see their town, Bill, and, hey, I'll stay here for the right reasons. Well, I, you know what I think social media can help these these people because mm -hmm. they, they they you know they're they're on the map now. People can see this town and they can, they can other towns can basically um use that as an example of hey, this these people can do that. Um you know, why can't we when you think of all the things that these towns are up against COVID, high unemployment, um, mm -hmm. maybe little work and yet these people still want to stay it, it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of good yeah it is it's beautiful it's awareness in the right way and, and obviously yeah. every town has their marketing they've got to do their their, oh, their yeah. business to get people to come and they always want business to come to their town to help it thrive and stuff like that but they want to be everyone wants to be a, a growing concern in a positive way Uh, this is a Canadian story, and I really like this one. 
Okay. Anything is possible. Canadian organization grants wishes to older adults. Uh, this comes from CBC News. So um, this charity got started. The charity is called We Are Young. And it got started because a one of the co-founders um, was selected to do a random act of kindness. And what she did was she spent a day with an older adult. And basically, the, 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 this older adult told her story. And she had some wishes and things that she wanted to do. But because of her age and because of her, and a, you know, a physical barriers, um, she didn't think she could do them. Um, so the other thing this woman realized that we are perceiving adults or older adults as being shut-ins. We're perceiving them as being, having nothing to live for. Um, you know, we do have dreams. We do have things we want to do, even though we're getting up there. And this woman realized that this woman, that the the senior citizen had a lot of things that she wanted to do. So the charity, what it does is it started in Atlantic Canada and now it's coming to Ontario. They grant three types of wishes. Number one, a lifetime dream. Um, number two, um, if they will connect you with a loved one that you may have not have seen for many years. Mm. Yeah. And number number three, a hobby that you didn't think you could do, um, but, it, you know, because of your age or because of a physical barrier, they will modify that hobby to so that you'll be able to do it maybe differently and, and you know, in a different way, but still be able to get confidence and be able to enjoy the things that you used to do. I'm going to give a couple of examples. Um, there was a, um, a, a guy from the East Coast who liked counting rocks. And the problem that he had, has now, was he couldn't climb down the trail to get to the cliff where he used to count the rocks. Mm -hmm. So they chartered a boat mm. and for him so he could get right up to the cliff and count rocks. So this just a modification of 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 a hobby that this guy used to do. Mm -hmm. That's so one valuable. Was, yeah. yeah. What's yeah. the other one? The other one was that um, the guy wanted to see the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, and he said, I want to see them beat Boston, but he's never seen the Leafs. <laughs> um, so they um, hope, I don't know whether they granted that wish or not, but um, if you or anybody knows of a senior or an older, an older adult that, you know, is in a position where they, you know, they're, they're shut-ins and they don't think they can do anything or what they used to do, you can register at weareyoung.ca and um, they will try to grant these simple wishes, not huge expensive things, but just simple things that you didn't think you could do because of your age or a physical barrier. Yeah, it, I mean, I love the connecting with people. That, exactly. That's kind of an interesting one, eh? That's the bigger conversation around this, right? Like when you read the story, well, at least when I read the story, I'm thinking of who I'm connecting with or if I have personal examples of um, being able to spend time with people who are older. 
just around me in general. But also in this organization, they're kind of distinguishing between bigger wishes and just like little gestures of kindness. Right, Billy? I, yeah. Um, That's and, the impression and, that I got. Yeah. And they're not, I, I gather that they aren't, the, you know, the, you're not going to go to Disneyland or anything like that. Like right. it's not going to yeah. be, it's not yeah, all, it's a bit and it different doesn't all than, have well, to be that big anyways. No, no right? it doesn't. It, and, and even, and I mean, there's only so much you can do with someone's lifetime dream of what they may mm. want to do. So I think that versus just like bringing them a little on. bit of nostalgia or. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and again, you always wonder how many of us give up on a lifetime dream as life goes well, on. That, that's, you know, you, that's, yeah. And then as ahead, you get lone, older and lonelier yeah. and as people around you either pass away or you, you know, become disconnected with them, like, you know, your kids have families and you don't see them as much anymore. Yeah, you, you start to wonder about uh, and think about back in the day. Yeah, and hopefully you do still have your dreams or something that even whether it's something you want to do or something you've always been interested in, hopefully you're lucky enough to be able to still have that. But I know so much happens in life that those things sometimes become distant memories. And I'm not talking due to health. You, you know, you've kind of lost track of that. If, if it's just life changes so mm. much. And I know you may not have the interest in whatever that dream is by the time you're 60 years old or even when you're 40 or whatever. Bill Shackleton is a usual suspect on our show, Kelly and Rumya. You can catch Shaq skulking around the studio on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at the end of the first hour of the show. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts for more of the buzz. The Best of the Buzz with Bill features Bill Shackleton, Kelly McDonald, and Rumya Amuthan of the AMI show, Kelly and Rumya. The technical producers of this podcast are Matt Agnew, Jeff Ryman, and Grace Scofield. The manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank.